Welcome to Rhode Island's Church and State Podcast. I'm David. And I'm Jessica. We're a husband and wife podcast. He's a pastor and I'm a state senator. So you've been warned. We're about to talk politics and religion. And anything else that might get us canceled. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Rhode Island's Church and State. It is day 551 of uh, being under a state of emergency, which is why I'm considering changing the name of the podcast to Rhode Island's Pandemic Podcast, <laughs> because I just feel like this thing is never going to end. Just when I think that it's that it's over or there's light at the end of the tunnel, we get the, uh, the, the rug pulled out from under us. Mm. Um, all right. Well, I'm, of course, joined by our state senator and our uh, expert in all things state government. <laughs> I wouldn't say expert, but sure. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I was hoping today's episode, we could kind of uh, talk about what's happening in the state. There's, of course, the mandates. There's the petition uh, that you've got floating around mm-hmm. that uh, continues to grow. And um, there's your effort to end this uh, state of emergency that seems to have opened the door for all of these um, undemocratic processes and unusual mandates to be uh, to be implemented. Yeah. So um, maybe you could first uh, give us give everyone an update on your petition. How's it How's it going? We are at about forty five, just over forty five hundred signatures, and we're gonna keep it going over this weekend. And um, it looks like hopefully we make it to 5,000. If not, um, that's okay. We're going to, as I said, I'm going to submit it to the Senate president, the Speaker of the House, and the governor. Okay. Yeah. And uh, why those three individuals? Because those three individuals are deciding uh, whether or not we are in a lockdown. Because mm-hmm. the legislature can end. Yeah, technically, it's not a lockdown. Like people are back well, to work. I and got there's... a lockdown, but you're right. It's not technically a lockdown. But end the state of emergency. Right. Okay. Thank you. Um, we can go back. It's August 31st when the governor had declared a new state of emergency because of the Delta variant. Mm-hmm. I immediately came out and said, you know, I'm calling on my colleagues to reconvene and pass a concurrent resolution. The concurrent resolution means it's a bill in both chambers at the same time and- Identical language. Exactly, and we pass it to end the executive overreach. Um, the leaders aren't going back and the governor is absolutely um, fine with that. He's op- he's happy to continue on with um, this one person rule. And you know, I make the argument, then why bother having elections? If we're all comfortable with having one man make all the rules, then let's just get rid of the legislature. Yeah, I, and we don't want to see that happen. <laughs> but but uh, I mean, you're you're obviously in there and, try, and trying to represent your people and and your constituents. What about the other state senators and representatives? Um, are, are you getting the sense that 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 they're just willing to kind of go along with this? And why is that? Is it because they uh, they they just believe that right now we just need one man calling the shots? You know, I can only speculate. Um, I'm guessing that some people think that this is perfectly okay. And if they do think that, then they shouldn't be in government because you are elected to represent your constituents. Um, and it's really about uh, checks and balances. Um, the others may be that they are afraid that if something does happen, um, something catastrophic or... And maybe they took the wrong vote. And maybe they took the wrong voting vote. Voting on an issue. They may be afraid of losing their seat. So it's, I would say, cowardly. It's kind of like... Uh punting the ball to the other team and just let, right. you know, and let the governor take all of the blame. And, you know, if he, he messes up and screws up, then fine. Right. You know, he loses his, 
his his reelection. But um, right. yeah. So that really is the whole point of this petition that's uh, been circulated. That you now have over forty five hundred uh, yeah. signatures to, or about forty five hundred signatures to. Yeah. Um, the, the whole point is to end the state of emergency because that seems to be the door that has been opened that's allowed all of these other things uh, to come through. Mm -hmm. So let's be a little more specific. What Because I know a lot of people haven't been able to connect the state of emergency, which is what you've been opposing, mm -hmm. to the... Um, to the mandates that have been coming out, whether it's yeah. the mask mandates in, in the schools or the vaccine mandates uh, for, for workers and healthcare, whatever. Um, make that connection for people. Yeah, I'm glad you asked because individuals will say, well, how is this possible? We have laws. We There are religious exemptions and medical exemptions. and Right, which Rhode Island does have. Now, not all right. states have religious exemptions, no. but Rhode Island has a long history of, of honoring religious convictions freedom, yeah. and freedom. Mm -hmm. So it, it we do have in our state laws provisions for someone to... Um, uh, to uh, be claim. exempt or claim yeah. an exemption because of some religious belief. Deeply held conviction. Exactly. Yeah. So and that's not new. We've always had that. We have that. Mm -hmm. And so when individuals reach out and say, well, how come, you know, this just uh, ignore the mandate. Well, here's the thing. You can ignore the mandate, but you're still going to lose your job. And because we're in a state of emergency, those emergency executive orders for a time are superseding that law. So because of the emergency, they're saying we're going to, um, uh, we're going to remove religious exemptions and some medical exemptions. So the only thing that we can do is petition our government to get back to work and make the right decisions uh, and also challenge it in court, which mm -hmm. is what I've been telling a lot of the nurses and firefighters, you know, you pay union dues to be represented. And this is, this is it. You've been paying dues for years. Now you need representation. Mm -hmm. Contact your union and tell them that's what you, you expect. So uh, let's uh, talk a little bit more about why you got so involved in this. Um, I, I've been watching you get phone calls and emails. You're up late at night responding to people uh, on the phone with people, dealing with all kinds of uh, really heartbreaking stories. But um, why have you been like you seem to be uh, kind of becoming the one of the faces uh, against the mandates, but more specifically against the uh, state of emergency? Yeah. Why, are, why are you so, um, you know, deeply, uh, deeply into this thing? I guess I just really believe in our form of government and that we are a representative democracy. A republic and um i when i talk to you know immigrants uh they are they're deeply concerned for this country because they left their country to come here because it was a safe place to come because we followed the rule of law and we had respect for the individual and, and rights weren't just things on paper, but right. they, I mean, the courts recognize them, political mm -hmm. leaders recognize right. them. America has a long-standing tradition of, uh, of not just codifying rights, but protecting them. 
You know, like I remember uh, looking at the Bill of Rights uh, outlined in some of the communist nations and they were better than ours, <laughs> but they weren't followed. They were never respected. They were on paper. And of course, you know, the communist countries and authoritarian countries would hold these things up saying, yes, look at our rights are even better. And we have more rights for our people, mm -hmm. but they weren't respected. Right. It's not like a, a judge in, uh, in China or in North Korea is going to, you know, acknowledge your piece of paper when when the government's telling them Unless to do something different looking to be executed yeah all right so um so yeah I, I think that's a that's a good story you know when i was watching the news this week and uh watching president biden announce some of those mandates from the federal government oh. i was uh i was really turned off by the whole tone oh my gosh and yeah. i uh, i know of other you know nurses and firefighters who were very offended by the tone that he that he mm -hmm. gave them, kind of making it sound like they were being selfish, that they were being reckless, and uh, and that's hurtful. These were people that for the last eighteen months have been, you know, being the frontline workers. They've been the ones putting their lives at jeopardy, you know, wearing the PPE and doing their best to to stay safe during the pandemic, and then to make it sound like they're being selfish because they have some. Uh, conscientious uh, or medical uh, objection to taking the the vaccine. That was uh, man. I I was so turned off by that. That was not a good. And that was not what? a good look for him. These individuals didn't just you know risk their lives at the hospital or on the field. They a lot of them didn't even see their families because they were afraid of what would happen if they, they did quarantine. catch it. They would stay in a um, like trailer on right. their yard mm -hmm. or they'd stay in a hotel or they'd mm -hmm. sleep in the hospital. And so, yes, it is offensive and hurtful to these individuals right. who have literally put their lives on the line. Yeah. So um, what are some of the stories out there that you've been hearing? Oh, man, heartbreaking stories. And so, you know, I've had some individuals say, well, you know, there are religious exemptions, not religious exemptions, excuse me, medical exemptions, and that you're not stating it correctly and you're not being accurate. But not all medical exemptions are accepted. I'm going to give you a few stories. Talk to a NICU nurse, 20 years. She's had a medical exemption on the uh, for, for all that time, for 20 years. It's never been an issue. But now, as of September 1st, she will be let go. Mm. And... I talked to another individual who has um, has a medical issue and she was seeking a medical exemption from her physician. Now, her physician shares an office with another physician. They, they have a practice together. They're partners. And one of the physicians was giving out medical exemptions and not willy-nilly, not like, oh, yeah, here, free, you know, you need one here. I'm going to pass one out to everyone who asked for one because obviously a physician is not going to do that. Mm -hmm. Um and because her partner had given out medical exemptions, her license was suspended for six months. Wow. That was in Rhode Island? This is Rhode Island. Mm. So the woman that I spoke to said, because my physician saw that her partner lost her license mm. for six months, it's suspended, she is no longer giving out medical exemptions, even though mm -hmm. I qualify for a medical exemption. Wow. Wow. That's disgusting. That's right in Rhode Island. This so that's is Rhode Island. That's a, that has a chilling effect when they see one doctor who loses yes. their license. Um, that's, uh, that's heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, and of course there's the, I mean, tons of firefighters have reached out to me. I'm, I'm not even exaggerating. Mm -hmm. They've, they're, they, they, they echoed what you had said, you know, we're working through the pandemic. We've been, um, taking proper precautions and now we're the bad guys. We're some, 
all of a sudden evil for wanting to exercise our religious freedoms. And I think there are some nuanced reasons why people may, you know, may not want the, um, the, the vaccine, you know, like I'm, I'm pro vaccine. I'm not anti, I'm not an anti-vaxxer at all, but, um, yeah, just jump in. Yeah. I'm not anti-vaccine either, but I am anti-coercion. Good point. Well, uh, I, I think for some of them, when I hear their reasoning, they've um, they've had um, COVID already, and they've been tested. They have the antibodies, and they have the paperwork to prove it. So they uh, they make the argument that the antibodies are more effective than the vaccine. So why would they get vaccinated? Um, other people have made the the argument that, um, and they've made the argument that they've had exemptions in the past. You know. It, Rhode Island does have an exemption for religious reasons yeah. or uh, certainly for medical reasons. And to see that suddenly this, um, this year, because of this state of emergency, that those exemptions would not be acknowledged when other times their religious convictions were honored and respected or their medical ones were respected. Um, that, that just seems un- unconscionable. It, it totally makes sense for them to be upset about that because you know, you, you've gone many, many years not having an issue, and then suddenly this year th- there's an issue. There's something special about uh, this particular vaccine. Mm. Yeah, that's uh, that's upsetting to them. You know, it, to your point, you you've been talking to people, and um, you know, as a pastor, I've been dealing with people who have been calling me asking for prayer and support. And uh, just this week, there was someone just broke down on the phone talking to her for an hour. She was very, very upset. Working at the same company for 15 years doesn't like to take any medication. She just mm. believes, you know, I, I believe God is my healer. And um, and I respect that. I'm not going to criticize her for her beliefs at all. And that's what I would hope. <clears throat> that's what I would hope we would all do. But she believes God is my healer. So she doesn't take anything. She doesn't take Tylenol. She doesn't take uh, any medication. It's not just vaccines. It's anything. And um, she is just distraught over this because she's kind of looking at the deadlines given to her as a um, like a countdown where she either has to violate her own personal convictions and do something she is deeply upset about, or she's going to lose her job, a position she's had for 15 years. She's well-loved. She's one of the best people there. She's great. Mm. But um, it's just unfortunate to see that it's come come down to this. Um, you talked to a couple that both the husband and wife were going to be yeah, facing yeah. their jobs. Husband and wife, you know, awesome couple, married, beautiful kids, uh, you know, just great. And I think they're just one story of probably hundreds. I mean, I, I've talked to dozens. You've got a petition floating out there with like 4,500 signatures. I'm sure there are entire families that are being affected by this. Yeah. So. You know, yeah. In that case, it's a it's single a moms, married couples, single moms. Single moms yeah. yeah, and then you know, suddenly, if they stand by their convictions, uh, they're going to be out of work. Now, that was a, a development because I do remember last week the governor signaled that he would be flexible, and I took that as an optimistic sign. I thought, so did I. I thought, well, maybe this means he's going to, um, you know, recognize the religious or the medical uh, uh, convictions of, uh, right. of people. Right. And the medical conditions, but uh, it wasn't. He said we will extend the deadline, right? But he said yeah. I think he would Only extend for it state se- hospitals, state hospitals. So Eleanor Slater system, like the Sambarano, the Cranston campus, and the Veterans Home, right? Extend so, it seventy-five days. But you would be put on leave of absence without, without pay. pay. Mm-hmm. So the good news is you won't get fired. 
That's but the bad good. news is <laughs> you're not going to get paid. You won't get paid. You can't show up to work. Um, and you won't be able to, you know, if he fired them, at least they'd be able to collect unemployment while they kind right. of get their life together and find another, another mm -hmm. position, another job. But at so, the end of 75 days, of course you face possible termination, but if they didn't want to terminate you, then they would just impose fines. Hmm. So think about not taking the vaccine, waiting the 75 days, and then just a fine being imposed after another fine, after another fine. Does that sound like a government for the people and by the people to you? No, no, it's, uh, it, it's upsetting. And, and to find that, um, I, I do feel like it's almost like the, they've been boxed in. So they either have to quit and then they're, they're stuck finding a new career because it seems like all of the healthcare providers and or fire not quit, but maybe be fired. Yeah. Yeah. But, or quit. but they can't be fired. Right. For it's, the state it's, workers. For the yes. state workers, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a mm -hmm. leave of absence. Yep. And I've been hearing other companies are starting to do the same thing. So this is what I mean. There's there's this um this pressure that is being put on people mm -hmm. to what you said, to be coerced to 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 do something that is against their own conscience and their conviction. And I think that's what has been most upsetting for me. Um you know, not that we would encourage people to do it, but of this heavy handed approach mm. that is affecting the livelihood that may be affecting the medical, you know, the, the, uh, the health of people because of their medical pre-existing medical conditions mm -hmm. that would typically, you know, allow for them not to have, um, uh, or not. And what's, who's going have to have a vaccine. Who's going to pay for the medical bills. If you do end up taking this vaccine because you're being coerced, mm -hmm. you know, and, something happens to you. Yeah. Government's not going to pay. The vaccine developers are not going to pay. And you know, the, it, it's just so complicated. And as you said, when I hear people on the phone and they're broken, they're anxious, they're scared, it really wears on you. Yeah. You know, I yeah. feel for these, for these individuals and my, my heart really breaks for them. Well, I, um, I appreciate what you're doing because you're, uh, you're sharing a lot of their stories when the, media around here doesn't seem to be interested in sharing oh that. Oh my gosh, that's so true. Um, every one of them is a story. Every one of them, to your point, heartbreaking um, decisions have to be made. And um, and it's a trying time for a lot of people, a lot of families. So I know I'm praying for them. A lot of a lot of folks are lifting them up and, and uh, praying that God would be with them, strengthen them, support them. But uh, what were you going to say? Yeah, I was just going to just touch on one thing that you had mentioned, or I had mentioned, I can't remember, but we were talking about, um, you know, freedom of, of religion um, and religious exemptions. And, you know, our heritage as, as a colony and that Roger Williams, we, it was freedom of conscience. Mm -hmm. He was so adamant that people could come here and it was a haven for, for conscience and conviction. Mm -hmm. And sadly, today's leadership has turned their back on this this heritage. Yeah, I don't think they've even. I, I think they've forgotten and forsaken Roger Williams and his uh, his legacy. Uh, we did a, a whole episode on mm -hmm. Roger Williams, and he was uh, theologically he was an oddball. You know, last week you and I were in Plymouth and um, getting a tour and learning more about the 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 uh, the history of of that colony, and I loved learning about their perspective on Roger Williams. And they said, <laughs> "Yeah, he, we didn't like him. We were like, you know, get out of here. You you don't belong here because his theology was so weird. So I don't want to say warped. It wasn't warped, but it was very, very, very conservative, mm -hmm. very, very um, rigid. 
And because his, um, he, his religious views didn't match that of the colonies, he was ostracized. And, but he didn't bend. You know, he felt so strongly about these um, convictions that he had that he would leave and then, you know, come to Rhode Island. But he was so conservative and rigid in his belief, but he understood that not everybody believed like him. Right. And so when, when, when the Jews wanted to have their synagogue here, mm -hmm. they were not ostracized. They were not cast away. They weren't told to find a different colony because Roger Williams said, no, you have a conviction. And right. you can freely worship exactly. as you see fit. Exactly. What Rhode Island, you know, Roger Williams looked at Rhode Island to be a haven for people who were dissenters and for people who did have different beliefs, different convictions, and a conscience that led them in a different path. You know, while he looked at Rhode Island as a haven, others looked at Rhode Island like a cesspool. And I still look at Rhode Island like it should be a haven. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I, I don't mind that people believe differently than I do, whether it's about the vaccines or masks or, you know, who God is or how to worship God. I think Rhode Island should continue in that tradition. And it is very, very, um, man, I, I can't say it enough. It's so upsetting. This has been an emotional week uh, for me, just as I've been working with people and hearing their stories and, and yeah. watching you and how you've been trying to do your best to make some noise and and move things on the political side but um it's uh, it's been a tough tough week for for everybody if if you could leave everyone maybe with a call to action or something to do because some people you know may um, may just not know they may not know what to do they may be upset about the situation and and uh they may be very supportive of you um or even of your your efforts to stop the state of emergency, but what can they do to get involved and try to help this? That's a great question because I get it a lot. What can I do? What can I do? And so we're literally petitioning our government to get back to work to end the state of emergency. So that's why I did put the petition together. I'm going to have it up through the weekend and I um, encourage you all of you to sign it, to share because it's not about the vaccine. It's about representation and good government and, and not, um, not, uh, I would say it's about not eroding the democratic norms. So, um, Jessica for ri.com forward slash petition. If you're in a union, ask the union to represent you, mm. you pay dues for representation. If your union doesn't want to represent you, then why are you paying dues? My husband is playing with something. I don't know. He lost a pen. Dropped something. <laughs> um, and then contact the governor's office. Um, you can go to governor.ri.gov forward slash contact and let him know where you stand. It doesn't have to be a long email. It doesn't have to be use eloquent words. Get to the point. Make it sweet and short. And then lastly, call your representatives and ask them to get back to work. Um, to find your representatives, you can go to the Secretary of State website and type in your information and it will populate a list for you of all of your um, state, local representa uh, representatives and senators. Um, the more you press, the better. It, again, doesn't need to be long, lengthy emails, but you want them to feel the pressure. You want your representatives, your governor to feel the pressure. So. Uh, you know, don't contact, you know, Senator Reed, contact your local Senator, whoever right. that is for state issues, for yeah. state issues. Yeah. You know, it, it's been amazing to see how people are starting to organize, you know, like it's almost like the country and at least in Rhode Island has just awakened, you know, it, 
at the town level, the state level, the national level, even in our town, you mm -hmm. know, you and I have been seeing firsthand how people who are usually apolitical and aren't paying attention, they're starting to organize, they're yeah. getting people together, they're collecting signatures, they're talking about running for office, litigation, litigation. State, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just across the state, you know, so it's an interesting time. And I think that it's a, it's a healthy thing when people are getting involved. I think it's an unhealthy thing when the political leaders ignore them, Ooh, because that's when you so start good. to see the anger and the vitriol because they're not being heard. Right. We have a process and it's supposed to be, you represent us, so represent us. Right. And of course, we're not the only, you know, there's multiple sides to this issue. So allow the other side to have their debate and, and you know, have their arguments and talk mm -hmm. about it. But let's have this, you know, in a civil matter and, and let's have the public debate and the, the discourse over it. Yeah. Well, I think that's great. And um, we're going to close with our uh, closing thought from Roger Williams. But thank you for joining us every week. I hope these uh, podcasts are helpful. If they are, if you like them, uh, feel free to share them with uh, friends and family. Thanks so much for listening. Today's closing quote comes from the founder of Rhode Island, Roger Williams. He said, men's conscience ought in no sort to be violated, urged, or constrained. Thanks again for listening. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, help us by subscribing and sharing these episodes. And for more content, check out churchandstateri.com. 